Our first order of business is to present Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year Award. Abby Johnson. This is Abby. She's our newest volunteer escort. Abby, this is Cheryl Alessandro. I'd be the youngest director in Planned Parenthood history. You'll actually be in charge of the abortions at your clinic? I have a chance to make a real difference. No matter what you do for the rest of your life, you're still gonna be a baby killer. The only thing that's changed is you, Abby. Can you even hear yourself talk right now about these procedures? These are little babies. I'm not going to apologize for doing a job that helps women in crisis. There's still a part of me that isn't sure. I know. But the one thing that all experts agree on is that at this stage, the fetus can't feel anything. Sorry to bother you, but they need an extra person in the back room. Are you free? I saw it, and it was like it was twisting and fighting for its life. To your dad and me, you are our baby from the moment of conception. We are paying you to be a perfect instrument of corporate policy. We are an abortion provider. Congratulations. You have made an enemy of one of the most powerful organizations on the planet. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I am your host, Michael Tabor. I'm Zachary Allard. And today we're going to be discussing Unplanned, the 2019 major motion picture event. Unplanned is... If I'm being very kind here, <laughs> a work of a, work a movie, of, yeah, <laughs> uh, a, a propaganda picture. Honestly, it's triumph of the pro-life bill. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's just it is it is really uh, about one thing. And that's hot people. But if it's about two things, it's about being pro-life and yeah. lying. Also. <laughs> I, I, way more poorly shot than Triumph of the Will. Really oh. could have learned a thing or two there. Uh, so we're going to be discussing that and take you through the whole movie, which mm. we had the uh, distinct pleasure, I'd say, of oh, yeah. spending uh, an hour and 50 minutes of our lives. I mean, it was just like going home. You know, it's just like visiting everybody I grew up with. Going home to the Planned Parenthood clinic. <laughs> that I grew up in. <laughs> now that, that would be a movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about the pro-life movement. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are sort of aware that this is the single issue yeah, yeah. for so many people in evangelical culture. It's something we saw a ton in 2016, and we certainly will see again in 2020, is that Trump, whatever his flaws, whatever locker room talk, however many <laughs> pussies were grabbed, oh, no. uh, Trump will deliver pro-life justices to the core. And, and, you know, they got what they wanted. And what's fascinating about this is that it wasn't always this way. Like, this, this thing... No, 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 no. The pro-life movement didn't come out of a historical tradition of theology. It I mean, was Joe writes about it. So I think what's interesting is that like growing up in sort of evangelical Christianity, you are taught that life begins at conception. Constantly. Constantly. They won't shut the fuck up about <laughs> it. And so there's this, it, it countenances all other kinds of sins because yeah. essentially you can keep children in cages on the border. You can harass as many women as you want if you're president, if you are helping advance the cause of the pro-life movement. As long as you give pro-life Christians, judges from the Federalist Society, all these Catholic rapist wackos. Yeah, yeah. You get all these assholes on the bench because it doesn't matter because you're stopping baby murder. Yeah, and, and we should just say the Federalist Society has been working for 
long before Trump ever took office to bring this overtaking of our judicial system for 40 plus years. And if we can do our favorite thing on the podcast and throw our boy Obama under the bus (laughs) for a second, uh, he could have stopped this or at least done things to stop this. But there's been excellent reporting. Rahm Emanuel didn't care about judges. He literally said, we don't care about judges. Uh, How's that working out for you, buddy? So great. Anyways. Not not my president. Take me back to the late... 1960s, if you will. So I think what's super interesting, I'm pulling a lot from an article in Politico called The Real Origins of the Religious Right by Randall Balmer. Incredible article. A lot of this is sourced from that. So he talks about the fact that there's, when James Dobson talks about the pro-life movement, he basically framed it as, well, the moment Roe was passed, this national tragedy, evangelicals banded together. This was our rallying This was our movement. Actually, (laughs) people were still alive, by the way. This wasn't that long ago. If we could make our whole, like, job that we get paid for to stand behind James Dobson and say, actually, that would be pretty great. I mean, that is kind of the premise of this podcast, (laughs) is negging James Dobson, so he'll go out with me. (laughs) So he'll think I'm going to get him there. Uh, So... Turns out, it was actually more Catholic dogma. Paint me a picture. In fact, it wasn't until 1979, a full six years after Roe, that evangelical leaders, at the behest of conservative activist Paul Weyrich, seized on abortion, not for moral reasons, but as a rallying cry to divide Jimmy Carter a second term. Now you're thinking, hey, Jimmy Carter, he was a Christian. Why yeah. would I? He was a nice man. The man it, is still building houses. He keeps falling off them. He's so damn old. And he's still building houses for people that need Jimmy them. Carter is the only man older than Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and you can't tell me he's not Bernie's father. Uh, yeah, he. Jimmy Carter is the big bang of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> so you're thinking, why do they want to deny Jimmy Carter a second term? Because the anti-abortion crusade was more palatable than the religious rights real motive protecting segregated schools. So what's interesting is that in the 70s till about 1980, private schools were allowed to be segregated, but the fight was over whether or not they could get tax-exempt status. Isn't it always? Yeah. No, I mean, of course. It's always about the money. In 1970, the IRS was like, hey, Bob Jones, are you discriminating against race? And Bob Jones responded, we don't admit black students. They just said the quiet thing Loud. <laughs> they said the the quiet thing on the letterhead. Like, <laughs> like no, you can look that up. So yeah. Bob Jones University, by the way, located in Greenville, South Carolina, one of the biggest evangelical mm-hmm. universities. Terrible place, never go there. Blah blah. So evangelicals were overwhelmingly indifferent to the subject, which they considered a Catholic issue. In 1968, Christianity Today, which was run by motherfucking. Billy Graham, the OG, (laughs) refused to characterize abortion as sinful, citing individual health, family welfare, and social responsibility as justifications for ending a pregnancy. (laughs) I agree, including if you're bored. If you just want to be thinner, I don't care. The shitty Christian stance is mandatory abortions. (laughs) Just so we're all on the same page here. We're not pro-choice, actually. So in 1971, Delegates to the Southern Baptist Convention passed a resolution encouraging Southern Baptists to work for legislation that will allow the possibility of abortion under conditions like rape, incest, clear evidence of fetal deformity, and carefully ascertained evidence of likelihood of damage to the emotional, mental, and physical health of the mother. 
Oh, it so, affirmed that position in 1974 and 76. So they got this right. <laughs> they got this right. This was a thing we had right. They were super into we it. We never get anything right. The president of the SBC, a man by the name of W.A. Criswell, and pastor of First Baptist in Dallas, which at the point was one of the biggest churches in the world, said he has always felt that it was only after a child was born and it had a life separate from its mother that it became an individual person. Not even then. <laughs> That's right. I mean, no. Like seven and a half, maybe. Like 30, 31. How <laughs> yeah. old am I? Is this like older than that then? Yeah. Baptists in particular <laughs> applauded Roe v. Wade as an appropriate articulation of the division between church and state. Religious liberty, human equality, and justice are advanced by this decision, wrote W. B. Garrett, W. Bayer E. Garrett of the Baptist Press. I'm gonna take this second because we've never been able to do this on the podcast. <laughs> Good job, Southern Baptist Convention. Well done. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah, you hit it. And there were no problems there <laughs> yeah, on yeah. out. We're all and this podcast is together. over. However, oh, no, no. <laughs> because they wanted their schools to be segregated. A gentleman, this Wyrick gentleman. Oh, you know, that reasonable thing. That <laughs> like they that were totally just... normal thing that you want in the late 70s. Jeez. This gentleman, Wyrick, w was trying to create the moral majority. But he couldn't do it. For nearly two decades, Wyrick, by his own account, had been trying out different issues. Just like lining them up <laughs> one by one. <laughs> like just throwing <laughs> pornography at the wall. In this case, literally. Oh hoping boy. one Hoping one of these issues might pique evangelical so, interest. Just to be clear, the moral majority is this idea that we have a group of voters mm -hmm. that, that, that are motivated by these issues. And so he knew if he could get all of the evangelicals on the same page and caring about an issue, yep. he could create power, which yes. as we've seen over and over again is very valuable to evangelical movements. They don't just want to be a force in culture. They want to control culture. And they weren't before like Jimmy Carter's presidency, very political at all. Exactly. They were and kind so, of spread out between Republicans and Democrats. They weren't a unified movement. It's incredible to think that somebody saw a chance to exploit faith to create political power, but it actually took him a long time to make it happen. Yeah, because, because he, it wasn't like people were better than that natural, for a yeah, long time. They, 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 he tried pornography, prayer in schools, an amendment, the Equal Rights Amendment to the Constitution. He, by his own account, I was trying to get people interested in those issues, and I failed. He said in <laughs> 1990. And prayer in schools. <laughs> <laughs> and so Falwell, Jerry Falwell, kind of gets involved, and they realize they are building this movement, but they can't build it around racial discrimination. What? And so they use abortion actually as the sort of like thing to smuggle discrimination within. Abortion was the Trojan horse for discrimination, which is crazy because those fetuses are tiny. <laughs> what are you even fitting in there, man? That's nuts. They would say a soul. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so that is just like... The brief history. You can read a lot more about yeah, it. Yeah, there is there, so there, much there more to cover. The receipts are out there. But it's important to say, like, this was never about abortion. No. Uh, it, abortion was created as an issue to create political power for the evangelical right. And it worked. This I know so I many know. people that are single-issue voters on abortion. I hear it from the pulpit, not at our yeah. church, but at plenty of others that I have attended. Tons. And I hear it all the time from these motherfuckers on Twitter. Oh, dude. You know, you get presidents of seminaries being like, I won't vote for any of these Democrats on stage because they don't value the sanctity of life. Meanwhile... Trump has, like, all the children in cages. He's assaulting every person with an arm's it's length. It's literally how they respond to those things. Like, Trump yep. does terrible thing. They respond with, but abortion. No sin 
No sin matters unless it's infanticide. It's frankly these, an amazing to like, these just fucking simpletons. The leaders, these fucking simpleton leaders that can just only parrot one political talking point. We have the people in power now that drank the Kool Aid that was very yeah. mm -hmm. cleverly yeah, assembled yeah, yeah. before. So now these people are fully bought in. But yeah, I I have heard from people I care about like, oh, I'm yep. gonna vote for whoever kills fewer babies. I personally really struggle. I know some of these people mean very well, but I really struggle with the pro life movement because I actually think it. It and its supporters have done enormous damage to this country. They are happy to have someone starve to death on my fucking streets if it means that they get fewer abortions. And I'm sorry, you either bought a lie or you're peddling one. And it's just really hard for me to feel gracious, even though there's a lot of people in my life that I love that are pro-life. It's not in the fucking Bible. It's yeah. not in the fucking Bible. Being born in America is literally the birthing scene from 300, a movie that we'll actually get to <laughs> later in this podcast. Yes. Like, An excellent very film. <laughs> God, it. It's very important that you get born so they can immediately cast you to the wolves and like, hey, if you survive, great. But also if you don't, who cares? Like, yeah. No, now you're just free to die. Yeah. But we weren't going to murder you until then. And I, it's just... It's not in the fucking Bible, man. I'm so fucking tired of it. Yeah, we're not going to spend a lot of time on those verses. No. Because they functionally don't exist. <laughs> uh, and for evidence of that, we can look to it, the history of theology. Yeah, totally. You know, the canon. Like, it doesn't <laughs> happen. The pro-life movement was invented in the it, 90s to sell hair products. It, right. No, no, it didn't exist until 1980 when Channing Tatum was born. The yeah. post, we're in the post-Channing Tatum era. I, and that, only you know what they would say to that and be like, do you want to live in a world without Channing Tatum? <laughs> Is that what you want? All right, that's uh, the so only pro-life <laughs> argument I like. That you've ever heard. <laughs> so, fuck all that. Let's let's have some fun. Yeah, now let's get into this movie, shall we? So what's an unplanned, Michael? Yeah, so Unplanned is a documentary film. <laughs> Was made in 2019. <laughs> uh, I really appreciated Ken Burns's take on abortion. Yeah, the montage scenes of all the fetuses the in the slow battlefield, panning <laughs> over dead fetuses. You got, I gotta admit, brought me to tears. So this movie was made by a company called Pureflix. Okay. Pureflix specifically makes hashtag Christian movies. Mm -hmm. uh, most famously, God's Not Dead. A God's Not Dead 2, Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Vin Diesel is God, very convincing, not dead. It's the story of a lady named Abby Johnson. And Abby Johnson, in real life, was the director of mm -hmm. a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas. Yep. And she did this for, I think, eight years mm -hmm. and eventually left and started being a pro-life activist. Yep, had a, had a come to Jesus moment. And we're going to really get into her at the end of the yeah, movie. But gonna... this is based on her book. This is based on her life. She became, is, remains a darling of the pro-life movement. Yes, in many ways the face, because of course, because she was right. the defector. She was the inside man right. that got out. She was the person who took a shot at Hitler in the Nazi bunker and then defected to the Americans and was eventually <laughs> played by Tom Cruise. And let's just get into it. Let's yeah. begin. Let's. What do we open on? So Zach, open. Zach, paint me the picture we of open. Unplanned. In a, in a home in Middle America, and you can tell it's in Middle America because it was clearly decorated by Pier 1. You, you pull through. <laughs> I, think, I think you're being generous. Yeah. I think you have to it's go down to like Target. It's clearly decorated by Target, and there's a bunch of throw pillows, and the light is streaming in, and we open on a child. 
Yes, of course. Running into the bedroom, and the child is also holding a baby. Yeah, By that way, was weird. Every single shot of this child, the child has a baby. The child is holding a baby. The baby is fully three quarters of her size. <laughs> the baby holding another baby. It's M.C. Escher's yeah. situation of all babies. Of, all of those baby dolls also have souls. This is a horror film. <laughs> the kid jumps up into her parents, and we meet Abby. And it's this like this beautiful nuclear family. These like white people in a house, and that is like. It's just, it is painted as the best thing that has ever happened. And that is how we open. Yeah. So I've said this before about other movies, and I want to (laughs) apologize to them, because this movie is, in fact, the whitest movie that has ever, ever, ever existed. Again, Triumph of the Will, somehow (laughs) more racially diverse than this film. And so then we get to, this movie immediately sets the tone with gender. Oh, yeah. So they they have breakfast. Yes, they're eating breakfast. And the dad is cutting. Doug. Doug, oh, well, we're going to spend a lot of time on Doug. Oh, yeah. The way the camera also spends a lot of time on Doug. (laughs) Doug thick. Doug Doug has lats. Lats for days. Doug is, like, cutting his, like, little girl's French toast. It's not even French toast. It's regular toast. Why are you cutting toast? toast. It's so weird. It is strange. And he's just cutting it like a freak. (laughs) Into squares. incapable of cutting toast. Because, to be fair... Who cuts toast? Well, okay, if you cut a single <laughs> slice of toast in half, I'm here for it. It's not how I, I it's not how I personally handle toast, but if I'm in a diner, that's pretty normal. That's like normal human behavior to a point. But he is cutting it into <laughs> multiple squares, like some sort of yep. monster, like some sort of deranged math genius that just needs to make like the Pythagorean <laughs> theorem. Doug doesn't have a job, so I assume he is just wasting about oh, no. in this Doug's, like big two-story house. Entire job is like negging Abby, uh, <laughs> and and being hot. But the child's like, you're not cutting yeah. the toast right, and Daddy can't correct. cut the toast right. Only Mommy can. And then he is like, puts his hands on his hips, like that's why you're the mom. Yeah. So she turns the squares into triangles. Mm-hmm. And she says, the kid's like, what are you doing? And she says, this is magic. Which sort of sets a certain tone, I think. I think that really does communicate Mm -hmm. something about what we're going to be experiencing. The magic is cutting a thing. What I I love is it definitely isn't... It's a movie that believes in traditional gender roles, even as Abby is the breadwinner, main primary like well, worker, it, and like bringing in all the money. But it still means she has to be the mom. Yeah, that's why you're the mommy. It's so funny. It's really weird. And it, we need to say <laughs> this entire movie will do nothing but punish Abby for having any sort of ambitions outside oh, of yeah, motherhood. Of course. So she heads into work. She's narrating yeah, yeah. this movie as she heads in. And she goes, people ask me all the time, were you really so gullible? She goes, my life story isn't a neat and tidy one. It's going to make you squirm a bit. And as she says that, the camera slow pans over to the Planned Parenthood sign. I thought you said, this movie is brilliantly made. Uh, You're talking about, yeah. that's subtext. Yeah. What's amazing about that is the only people that would ever see this godforsaken movie know exactly what it is yep. and what it's about. But it's set up like a reveal. Like, oh, this happy mm-hmm. family, you know, she looks like a doctor or a nurse. She's in scrubs. Like, she's heading into work. And then the reveal that, oh, it's Planned Parenthood. Dun, 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 dun. That sign will be important later. They literally like. Oh, the sign it has the most important character arc. <laughs> <laughs> the sign is Chekhov's gun for this whole picture. <laughs> so she gets into work and she's worked here for eight years. So then she is grabbed by a nurse and like, we need your help. 
Yeah, the, we, we need you it's in like the, minute three. the operation. I'll, I'll give them credit. They get to the plot pretty the fast. The inciting incident happens. And so they're like, we need you. She is being pulled into the procedure room. She They need yes. her to assist with an abortion. And her claim is that she has never actually seen an abortion performed in her, her eight years of running the Which is thing. especially interesting given some future plot points. But let's, yes. let's push through. So she gets in there. She gets in the room. And all color bleeds out of the frame. There's apparently one light. And it appears that Monk's scream is performing an abortion. Yeah, if <laughs> not, you saw Midsummer, not, not, not the person, literally the painting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah, is yeah, performing yeah. the abortion. The doctor, uh-huh. comically evil, oh. chewing scenery. I gotta say, best actor in the film. Oh. He understands what kind of movie he's in. Oh, absolutely. So he gets in there, and she's holding the ultrasound. And that lets her see the baby. And, and he's just screaming at her in German. Oh, yeah. No, he's time. so angry. He Why is, is he so angry? Let's just call him. He is yeah, Dr. Mangala. He is, he is coded. He's Dr. Mangala. Yeah. He, he's at the very least soup Nazi level. Like, he's, he's <laughs> yelling. Uh, the nurse has a quip where she takes a look at the fetus, and she's like, 15 weaker. They, they bring up the baby on screen. And it is the most, like, baby ultrasound yeah. I've ever seen. Well, one, that, that ultrasound image is just of a two-year-old. Like, this is, this is a fully <laughs> formed child. Photo. You're yeah. cute. Oh, thank you. Uh, little toe-headed uh, Michael just <laughs> hanging out in the womb. It's reading a book. Like, it's just, it is absurdly, like, well-formed right. for uh, what we're talking about. And the about. woman that's on the table is, like, struggling. Oh, yeah. she's the nurse a, she's is, like, like, holding her down. This woman who has apparently decided to get an abortion. Or, no, no, no. This woman who has apparently being forced to do abortion against her will they're like holding her down the nurse is like stop struggling I don't want to be here like it's wild yeah 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 so there's no such thing as a consensual abortion in this film (laughs) what happens from here Michael so she's watching the ultrasound Mm -hmm. and you see a needle enter the frame the world's biggest needle yeah it is it is absurd and Abby looks at the screen and she's like, it's moving away from the needle. And the doctor's like, they always do that. That's why we do this. And then it <laughs> zooms in on its face. The music just building up. And the screen actually cuts to black for a second. <laughs> and then it cuts back in. And the doctor says, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> the best joke in the movie. Yeah. And then they turn on the abortion machine, which yep. they always like shoot as this horrible industrial. Which, by thing. the way, I think the guy. Well, there's a ripcord. He's like, and then they manage to suck out what must have been all of this woman's internal organs, <laughs> because the amount of blood and viscera yep. and gore mm-hmm. that come out of this woman is just absurd it's, and I, it's it's half an hour yeah it, it, <laughs> it cannot be understated how like pornographic oh, the violence the is in this movie yep. like there are multiple scenes of just baby chunks yeah and we'll talk giblets. more about but like it, it starts out with like a baby ending up in a juicer yeah it opens on just doom like 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 super <laughs> shotgun game. yeah yeah <laughs> and and just chunks of bodies flying everywhere like it is and just as fun yeah. Well, and the demons. The demons are there. That's They're true. just the abortion doctors. So the baby is fighting the needle. This is like a Dragon Ball Z episode. Like there are Hadoukens. Like it is a whole thing. Uh, and unfortunately, the baby loses the fight. And you, they have this like close-up shot yep. on the ultrasound of just the black hole 
where the baby was in the womb. And Abby looks at that and she's horrified. She's like crying and she runs out and she vomits and like all the other nurses are concerned about her because they're her friends, but they're also confused because, you know, this is every day for them. The actual best characters in the movie are the nurses, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, it is. There is like actually one person that has anything sort of sassy and funny (laughs) to say. And it's just one of the nurses. And then, Okay, so we jump back eight years earlier. Eight years ago. She's in college, and we find her at like a college job fair thing. The oldest college student I've ever seen. Yeah. She looks older in the past. It's She's a, like 37. It's, nev- it's very never been kissed. Like, <laughs> it is! Yeah. Uh, or 21 Jump Street. Yes. Uh, what I love is to... Enough of your Channing love no, here. No, no, this is a Channing Tatum podcast. If we turn this entire podcast into a Channing Tatum fan cast... <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, our listeners won't even notice. That's my goal. So she's in the past. And the way to know she's in the past is she has pigtails. Ew, really? I didn't even notice that. No, that's she amazing. has like two pigtails. And that's like, she's in, she's she's younger. Again, this woman is 37. She's walking through a job she's fair for job literally fair. five seconds because they have no budget to show yeah. an actual college And so campus. they're obviously in a church fellowship hall. Yeah, a and vestibule. Then a woman in a pink cowboy hat and the world's largest fucking turquoise necklace who's doing Texas face. My dad's from Dallas. I've never been so offended. Yeah. It was the most Texas minstrelsy I've ever seen. It's Because her whole outfit is pink, cowboy yep. boots, hat, yep. plaid. Like, it is It is a really weird look. It's a weird... Why would you be at a she fair is the most absurd, dressed like Howdy Doody? So she's a volunteer for Planned Her- yep. Parenthood. She's the most absurd looking person in this film. She's also stum- somehow manages to be the person that makes the most sense. Yeah, so she starts spitting truth. Yeah. Free birth control, helping women. Only... And- Three or four percent of our, you know, the things we do are in fact abortions. Blah, blah, blah. And Abby, always an idiot. Well, th- this is a story about an idiot who very quickly becomes a villain. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, on, honest to God. No, by its own by its own definition. This movie is a Star Wars prequel reboot. Like, this is episode two. Mm. Like, it is oh, down to like, the baby killing. And like Anakin, <laughs> and like Anakin a lot of dead Slaughtering kids. the young Jedi. It was weird when Abby Johnson pulled out her lightsaber and went to town, but... <laughs> Wasn't that weird? Oh, man. Uh, so... She hilariously is just like, well, my family's pro-life, so I guess I am too. Which, by the way, I love. Yeah. I love this, like, just simpleton, just wandering around with no idea of what. She has beliefs because of her family, and then she has a belief because of Howdy Doody in a cowboy hat. Yeah, she talks to this lady to for to five a- seconds and is like, okay, I'll devote the next eight years of my life to yeah. this. So she starts volunteering and goes, never trust a decision your mama doesn't want you to know about. Well, yeah, oh, she's, she's talking about how she didn't tell her mother yeah. that she was so, going yeah, to yeah. volunteer. And then she goes, never trust a decision you don't want your mom to know about. Which, that's the dumbest shit. Every good decision I've ever made, including this podcast, is a decision <laughs> I don't want my mom to know about. What if your mom is Hitler? You never know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's big Sarah Palin energy. Like, it is just, it's it's the kind of thing that sounds cute until you think about it for half a second. But she pulls into the parking lot yep. and is immediately accosted by protesters yeah protesters and they are out do there. they do this really interesting thing where they start with <laughs> the evil bad protesters guy so she, fieri protesting. <laughs> really it, it is some guy fieri energy for sure i thought, I thought it was literally guy fieri trying to make an he would ball. never he's a mensch anyways she pulls in there's a guy in a grim reaper mm-hmm. suit yep there's a dude holding a picture of again a dead like five-year-old picture. No, it's one of the Columbine They're kids, like I'm pretty sure. They're like yelling at people. That's yeah. what this movie actually is, but it's important that you don't think that's what they're it, doing. It's drawing a distinction that doesn't exist. Yeah, so they're saying, no, 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 those are the bad guys. That's the old we would never school do pro-lifers, that. not like us. Uh, so then she makes it in. Yep, the and- access code spells baby. 
Oh yeah, I love that. She, it was like numbers. It's a small detail, but it's important. That was really special. And so then she meets what will be her boss, the woman that currently runs the clinic when she starts volunteering there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to describe her as sexy Darth Vader. Now I know that you will think, Zach, are you being sexist? No, the movie the, that is the text shoots the her as sexy Darth Vader down to like the lighting. Uh, oh, dude! Again, she, this really is a Star Wars film. Yeah, she is like wearing like a uh, like a relatively short leather skirt. She's in heels. Her hair is just pulled back. You know how you and know she that is she's just evil? like striding at all moments because she's wearing heels and she looks like a professional woman, which is these people's uh, definition. Do you know of why evil. she's evil? Because she's competent. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, her name her name is Cheryl, but I think Sexy Vader is yeah, even she's more apt. Sexy Vader. Sexy Vader tells Abby to throw on a vest and go escort people into the clinic. Great. Sexy Vader is the only person I like in this movie so far. Yes. So she goes out and she's doing it. And that's when she meets the good pro-life protest. Yeah. So they're with Coalition for Life. She meets a woman whose name I don't remember. Mary Lisa. Yeah. There's always these women with two names. Yeah. Like... Again, and just Texas face. They immediately contrast her with the other shitty protesters. Yeah. She is nice. She's like, hey, honey, what's your name? Can I talk to you? Why Hi. are you volunteering here? You know they do abortions here, right? Like, even the nice one is immediately like, you know what's going on in here. So Mary Lisa and uh, Abby talk. Abby escorts a lady yep. into mm-hmm. uh, the clinic. And then we see a shot of all the women that have just had this procedure. Yes. And it is <laughs> neither the living dead. Like it these is, women though, are they just, do the shot a bunch. Yes. It, you see it several times, but this is the first one, and it's yes. so bad. It's like there's a lady clutching her stomach and crying. <laughs> there's a lady that's like drooling. There's a lady with blood running down her leg. It's like, like it, there's like cinder block walls. There's a dude walking around with a taser. Yeah. Like it's crazy. There's the dude from... Uh, from Evil Dead. Like, it's just yeah, like, it's yeah. shit gets crazy. Ash is here. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> it honestly has a vibe. Like, what was that Eli Roth uh, hostel. hostel? It's got, like, hostel vibes. Yeah, it does. It. So so we see that. Yep. And then uh, Abby and Mary Lisa are talking, and Abby reveals that she herself has had an abortion. Which is particularly interesting. If you remember three fucking minutes ago yep. when Abby was like, what's Planned Parenthood? I don't even know what that is. I guess I'm pro-life. <laughs> like, how do I read? Yeah. Like, it's just like that whole time. And then you realize she actually knows this intimately. So we flashback again. Flashback inside a flashback. Yeah, this shit is basically Rashomon. She says, I was a party girl in college. Yeah, I love that, that line so, so much. One of many lies. By the way, yeah. Being oh. a party girl means be ending up in a long-term committed relationship with an older man. Yeah. What kind of parties are you going? That's an eyes wide shut party at best. <laughs> so she hooks up with this bag, this guy. Yeah, so she shows up to college and yeah. immediately gets in like a terrible relationship. You don't see any party. Yeah, there's no parties. There's no other people. Yeah, it's literally just she shows up, another guy in the complex like leans on a door sill and then she's in a terrible relationship. Also hot. I will say he was also kind of Dude, rugged. Everybody in the stinking movie <laughs> Uh, and then, like, what's just, even like, more? It's just like, a thirst trap of a movie, which makes it really awkward when they're also pulping babies. It's really killing my vibe. Uh, it was not awkward for me. <laughs> so she gets pregnant. Yeah. So she gets pregnant. He takes her to the clinic, mm-hmm. drops her off. She has the procedure. Yep. Uh, and it's it's bad. So this is this is this is her abortion. This is her first abortion. Yes, her first abortion, and it's bad. 
And then the relationship falls apart. Oh, there's a no, hilarious... No, they get fucking married. Yeah, I forgot to say. So, they yeah, get yeah. married, and there's a hilarious scene of her dad walking her down the aisle, basically crying. <laughs> like, he's just so well, miserable. There, and, and there's no one else in the fucking church. Yeah, the they very church. intentionally... Like, no one showed up for this lady's wedding. It's Which like, is hilarious. Yeah. This guy... Is clearly a shitbag in this Obviously. movie. But, like, nobody's enough of a shitbag that no one shows up for their wedding. Yeah. Like, the only other person that's in her bridal party is like, don't marry him. Don't marry him. Yeah, they're so literally yeah, trying to talk her out at the pulpit. about the dumbest woman who has ever lived. <laughs> yes. She, like, this is such an actively terrible decision. So, finally, they get married. He cheats on her on Valentine's Day, which, frankly, you got to respect oh. the game. Like, I, I don't like, respect that game. I do respect that his Valentine Day, Valentine's Day plan for them was making sandwiches. As a sandwich <laughs> aficionado, that's way better than going out to most restaurants on Valentine's Day. That was Day. better than your Valentine's Day plans. Like you, Rude. <laughs> we made damn sandwiches. Fuck you. No, you're right. You're right. You had great Valentine's Day sandwich. sandwich. Thank you. That, um, so she leaves him, but she realizes she's pregnant. Yeah, she's, and that leads to one of the cruxes of the movie. Where she has abortion number two. And this one distinguished itself in a couple of ways. In that it lasted three hours fucking long. It is approximately 15% of the runtime of this film. (laughs) Two, this one is a chemically induced abortion. Yeah, they name check the pill, which is very interesting. They bring up how much it costs. Mm -hmm. That the fact that she had to put her abortion on credit card, because that's a big thing, is that that. uh, Planned Parenthood isn't providing health services for women, they're selling abortions. And so it's a big deal that like Oh, this, I had to pay $400 for this, and I had to put it on my credit card. And then they didn't tell me. And so she takes the pill, because you take two. <laughs> yep. Then she By goes the way, home. And it is literally, it's a movie that's shot in color. I swear to God they filmed this in black and white. It is, it is I know a little bit about production. It's very, very tiny bit. I, it is comical. She's in her room. It's all shadows. But and it's not even her room. It's clearly a hotel room. Like yeah. They might be portraying it as her room, but it's like absolutely the like Motel 6. Yeah, there's like got, a La Quinta Inn. Like, no, it totally like, it's, it's, it's the one double bed with the like bedspreads mm-hmm. from the 70s and then the bathroom <laughs> directly next yep. to it. And that's the entire space. So they clearly picked a hotel room for this, which makes sense when you realize what's happening which is again the most violent gory take dude okay so she takes the pill and about two minutes later the overlook elevators open up yeah you know totally and blood just pours out like 60 and so she ends up in the shower she's weeping there's psycho style violence like fire hose <laughs> just directly from her nethers and like she's in the shower just bleeding all just over the 60 floor 60 pounds of baby and then just chunks, loses 60 pounds chunks like by the way six, she says she's 8 weeks pregnant and that should be the size of a raspberry yeah so what she's essentially doing she's in the shower she's bleeding and then she has to pick up <laughs> The baby chunks, like a handful of gravel. Yeah. By the way, I weighed 7 Eleven when I was born. This is more than seven fucking pounds yeah. of baby. And she has to like place that in the toilet <laughs> and flush it. It is the most explicit, uh, yep. exploitative. Uh, let's not even get into the fact that this is just not what abortion no. looks like. It's, it's not one what of the safest looks like at all. If you read about it. At- that has been invented. Like, nope. it is absurd oh, that yeah. this woman has somehow had two comically bad abortions. Right. And again, she had these before meeting Planned Parenthood 
Barbie and, and was like, I don't know what y'all do. She's had two fucking abortions that apparently were the worst experience. And she says this is the worst experience of my life. One of them at life. the clinic that she ends up working at. And yeah. once she's like busy dying. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's lying on the floor. That's how the scene yeah. is. She's lying on the floor. You see blood everywhere. Everywhere. Just everywhere. Like still like little spurts of I it. I saw 1917 last night. Less gory. Way scene. less. And she calls them. She yeah. calls the clinic and she <laughs> goes, right. why didn't you tell me about this? And they go, oh, that's normal. The movie doesn't make sense on its own plot. Now she's the pink cowboy hat girl. Now she's the one <laughs> I volunteering. That I love that apparently this is Planned Parenthood's outfit for getting volunteers. Oh yeah, this is this is clearly like the thing that they decided <laughs> to do because they're pro-women. I, I honestly think that they wanted to do the pussy hat. But they knew that that would be just, they wouldn't work out time-wise. But that's what they're trying to it like, would be tap into. It sexual. Uh, is, the, <laughs> is the like feminism thing. Yep. Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, these feminists with their pink cowboy hats. And then. <laughs> I, I would love to meet the pink cowboy hat feminists. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'm here for it. We should get pink cowboy hats. We are, in fact, feminists. I can't believe you think I don't already own a pink cowboy hat. We Fuck do you. Have Fuck cow- you. We do have cowboy hats here. We should rock cowboy hats during the recording. I feel like that would really bring us to the next level. Okay. <laughs> so then we get introduced to her parents. Yep. Because now she's in a stable relationship yep. with a loving guy named Doug. Doug. And Doug and Abby are Fucking having Doug. a meal with her parents, who yep. are two of the hottest people that have ever been. Her parents yeah. seem both hotter and younger than Abby and Doug. It is absurd Her how attractive. Her mom is absurd. <laughs> and I, I like, we don't normally delve into these kind no. of things on this podcast, but it just needs to be said. Trying, it's so silly. I'm not trying to be objectifying, but it's distracting. It, it, it just makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Abby... And Doug are a moderately attractive couple, and her parents look like models. Yeah. Like, out of uh, an L.L. Bean catalog. And like, so- her dad is her dad is Roger Sterling. I'm 90 <laughs> fucking... You can't convince me otherwise. There's no way of knowing. Science, The science to distinguish between the two has not been invented yet. <laughs> so they're at a family dinner. Yeah. Cut in on her, like, lecturing her parents about, like, fetal viability. Oh, my gosh. Which is incredible. What I love is that this movie takes place in a universe where no one talks about anything but abortion. Otherwise known as small you know, town Texas. My my <laughs> parents are pro-life, yeah. and I have never had a family dinner where I like accost them with baby chunking over spaghetti and meatballs. Like I I have. Be, I save be, that till fair. after dinner like a real gentleman. With the mints. Yeah. <laughs> with the mints, coffee, mints. the smoking jacket. Her just going just, off. Just being and not just her parents, yeah. but Doug are all like, meh. What? They're all super unhappy. And They're this is one of the pro-life. weirdest things of this movie. It's so strange. Is that like Doug is vehemently pro-life. Yep. But is somehow totally fine as a person that believes that his then girlfriend, soon to be wife, is murdering babies on the daily is just like, oh yeah, you know, but I love her. So so I want to talk about Doug. Yeah, let's get into Doug. Doug, Doug, it appears that Doug has no outside life or internal life or hobbies even. Yeah. We only, Doug is just the slab of beef. He appears to have no job. I think he's the first himbo husband. Apparently all he does is work on his lats and neg Abby about abortion. Yeah, so they try to portray him as being like very supportive. Like this yeah. whole movie, he tells her how much he loves her. But actually the only other thing he does be- besides tell her he loves her is tell her how terrible her life choices are, which is for the record, the definition of abusive. <laughs> like, you know what abusive partners do? They do shitty things and then they tell you how much they love you. Like that, that is part of the deal. I. It just, it never, I mean, the movie never makes sense. 
but the portrayal of everyone in her life being like stolid, like pro-lifers and Abby just being this like crazy person who is for some reason wants to murder babies, it, but they love her. Why do they love her? It never, they have no sexual chemistry. As far as I can tell, they don't physically make contact until like an hour in the fucking movie. It never makes sense. They name check James Dobson's book in this conversation. Do they really? They do. The mom turns to the boyfriend and she goes, just so you know, The Strong-Willed Child by Dr. Dobson is the first one of the first books I ever bought for her. I'm still using it. Like, it's the, you know, our daughter, she's so willful. I will say I've had Christian parents pull that, pull oh, that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, no, I, say that basically to me about their strong-willed And daughter. then the mom and Abby go inside. Mm-hmm. And they have a conversation where Abby's talking about how she's about to get promoted. Mm-hmm. And her mom's like, I'm really upset. And she's like, you don't even care. <laughs> that like, she, she brings up one of the good right. things that Planned Parenthood does. They like did a test on a woman and discovered that she had uterine cancer. Yeah. And the mom is just like, uh-huh. And she's like, you don't even care. Like, I helped, I helped somebody figure out they yep. have cancer. That's I say, really I important actually work. actually saved a person's life. And then we cut to the dad and Doug oh, outside. Yes. And the dad leans in conspiratorially and is just like, you hate what she does, don't you? And Doug's like, <laughs> so much. Yeah, I hate your daughter too. Isn't this, this crazy? This is, she just got done talking about how this is her identity. <laughs> this is what she's about. And Doug is somehow she hearing that. She does use the identity word. She yeah, says she's, that. Yeah, she's like, this is who I am. I'm an abortion American. <laughs> <laughs> the first of my kind. Because we keep aborting the rest of them. And, and Doug's like, oh, I hate it so much. Which means this movie is Rosemary's Baby. Like, Rosemary's Baby is a story of a lady living in a hotel where everyone around her is secretly plotting against her the entire time. Well fucking done. So too unplanned. And then the dad's like, but you're still gonna marry her? And he's like, of course, I love her. And the dad leans back and he goes, ain't love grand. And that is the entire explanation for why Doug, a militantly pro-life man who thinks that his like, fiance is going to murder thousands upon thousands of babies, would just be like, yeah, it's fine. I'm just going to roll with it. Like, it, it's so, it's so it's incoherent. Bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, and then we smash cut to the wedding. Yeah. it's the second wedding, but it's good now. And yep. now the dad's smiling. He's like, she's like you're not aisle. supposed to be more excited about this than I am. And he says, who says? Which, again, that's super creepy. Like, <laughs> what, a, what a terrifying concept that your father is more excited for your wedding than you are. Like, uh, what is she, a feudal, like... Yeah, you like, have to, like, watch them consummate. Like, yeah. that's... I expected that. It, the, that's The subtext. church is full. The lighting is nice. Yep. Like, this movie... It's uh, the same church, though. It is I the love. same church, which, again, strong poll that you would be mm-hmm. like, no, 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 church is fine. I'll use the same church for both <laughs> of my weddings. And then we're back to Mary Lisa. And it's very interesting. I want to delineate this and then... Mary Lisa. Mary Lisa is back. Yep. But now she is also married. Yep. Uh. Mary Lisa is at all times an exact, distressingly creepy parallel to... Yeah. No, I mean, you can tell that, like, when Mary Lisa goes home, she literally charts out how to make her life exactly like Abby's. Like, she is... Mary Lisa has a wig that she puts on and looks at herself at night, and, like, one single tear comes out of her eye, because she's not quite enough like Abby yet. because she's not Abby enough yet. She hasn't hasn't crawled inside of Abby's soul yet. We'll get to that. So now, Mary Lisa introduces Sean, her intended. Sean... Please describe Sean. Sean... 
Sean is dreamy. No, uh, <laughs> Sean is the least hot person in this movie. Sean is the most youth group energy uh, amidst the he's pantheon. He's got spike gelled hair. Yeah, he has got. He's definitely got spike gelled hair. He's skinny. He's sort of like soft spoken, but attempting to Listen, be witty. Listen, I would never get on somebody for not having a deep manly voice, but Sean is the kind of guy whose voice is a little bit more nasal than you'd think. And what's interesting about Sean is that Sean steps in in the scene and then immediately replaces Mary Lisa for the rest of the oh, movie. Yeah. He's a bad- She's gone. That's true, except as his accessory. Yeah. And sometimes she hangs off of him. No, and she's had bears, present. And bears his fruit eventually. She's present, but it goes from, they set up yeah. Abby and Mary Lisa interacting, and from every moment past this mm -hmm. point, Abby and Sean are the ones interacting, and Mary Lisa may or may not be present for that. Like, Sean comes in, and all of a sudden, he is the dude. It's a really, really weird, like, why would you bother setting up Mary Lisa to just take her out of this? And I think it's the kind of, like, casual sexism that they would never think to investigate. They would never even think about it. Of course, Sean's here now. Everybody, we talk to Sean. He's got a penis. Um, not much of a penis, but he's got one. Sean you know? definitely underneath his t-shirt has a puka shell necklace. Oh. That's oh. who Sean is. Sean, Sean is the the puka shell necklace <laughs> uh so like sean bag cast kirk cameron gelled hair basically have the same same conversation he like is kmart kirk cameron that's really he's he's kirk cameron with all the vibe but none of the beauty yeah or swag yeah. Like, all, like kirk cameron like has some swag we on don't camera. need to get into how much you love kirk cameron no, again we, no. we dedicated a whole podcast episode to that no that's all i'm not even talking about the rest of it plan now so I'm going to jump ahead because they just have the same fucking conversation All across the, the fence. Uh, then they go to church because apparently this woman goes to an evangelical pro-life and the church is just having a sermon about abortion. Because again, this is a movie where no one has a conversation that's not directly about or related to abortion. Yeah, and importantly, Doug and Abby decide to start attending church. Yes. They have not been attending church up to this point. They yep. decide to start doing this, and which again is weird because her family is so, so clearly religious. Doug is she so clearly, clearly grew up religious. religious. But like somehow this is just a thing they're just starting to do now. And they walk into the room and it is knit me together in my mother's womb sermon. Yeah. And 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 they spend some time allowing the pastor to explain, like, hey, this is what we believe. Yeah, this I didn't look it up, but I guarantee that pastor is like a dude. Like that is an actual pastor that has a church and he was super hyped to cameo in this movie. And the guy's just lecturing about abortion, because again, that's what this world is. Uh, it, and that's, it, it that's, is that's actually, a pretty accurate depiction of evangelical culture. Yeah, that's fair. The Marvel multiverse universe where everything <laughs> is abortion all the time. Like, that's the only conflict that is going on on this entire planet is just, like, white people arguing yay or nay about abortion. That's it. That's Yeah, that's my childhood. World. I don't fucking love that. <laughs> Again, for the record, up to this point, we're, like, 30, 40 minutes into this movie. No people of color at all. Yeah, Doug is, like, a tan white guy. Yeah. That's it. He is, That's the closest you get is, to ambiguously ethnic. He's about as diverse as the movie gets. Yeah, totally. So then I think we should jump ahead to the POC room. Yeah, this this, uh, this is another crux of this movie. Yes. So she's at work. Yes. And Sexy Vader comes up and is like, I want you to come to the POC room. Well, Sexy Vader specifically compliments her. She says, mm -hmm. you fit in that well. Mm -hmm. Meet me in the POC room. Which, and, by and, the way, I assume something champagne room. Like, yeah, the way, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the way the invitation is breathily proffered. Meet me in the back. And Abby's hype because she got a compliment. Yeah. She's mm -hmm. she's the kind of girl and that Abby thrives is so on stupid. You pay her one compliment. She works for you for eight years. Uh, I mean, that's about the ratio we can expect under capitalism. So, oh, come damn. on. She's, she's just getting by but 
she's all excited and she turns to the sassy receptionist and she's like, hey, did you hear that? She thinks I fit in. And she goes, you know what the POC room is, right? And so Abby responds and says, products of conception? And the nurse glowers slightly and says, pieces of children. And then she says, hope you didn't have a big breakfast. Incredible stuff. By the by, this woman's been working there at this point for at least a couple of years. Would fucking know what this is. Also, I briefly want to say, if you Google POC room, pieces of children room, as far as I can tell, yes, does not exist. It is it is one of the whole cloth fiction elements of this world, yeah, uh, and of the story that Abby tells. This doesn't happen. This doesn't exist. No. As it, you know, there is no external evidence for this except for this movie. Exactly. So then she goes into what she calls the holy of holies. Yes, this is the holy of holies in mm-hmm. every abortion clinic, and she describes what it is which is they have to take all the fetus parts out and reassemble them <laughs> to make sure that they're all there. A dozen aborted fetuses lined up mm-hmm. on a table with light shining down <laughs> on them. No, it, it, it's it's like in Die Hard when Hans Gruber's walking through the cities, the like uh, the city miniatures of cities and they're lit. It's like that, but with dead babies. Yes, and it is the most like Sith Lord moment. Like this is sexy <laughs> Vader is. and this is her like appointing mm-hmm. her, her Sith apprentice because Abby walks in and she sees the assembled dismembered fetuses and she leans down really close and you get a close-up <laughs> shot of all the little fingers and all the little yep. toes and she's just like fascinating and then sexy Vader looks at her and goes you know what every other person I've brought into this room has done when they see this mm-hmm. they cry that's how I know you're the one the one the one the, one. the chosen the one spoken of in Lord the midichlorians <laughs> I love that so much because even by this movie's telling, she is the world's biggest monster and sociopath. Yes. So by her own fucking story. Yes. It is amazing how much this movie is constructed to make her seem like a victim or the good uh-huh. guy, or at least the person that eventually gets yep. it right. But if you actually look yep. at the text of the movie, she is constantly being a fucking villain. Can you her imagine? Her lies paint her as an asshole, at yes. best, like and a murderer. In the story that she made up about herself, Incredible. she is leaning into dead fetuses <laughs> and being fascinated by them. No, like, and that like, is a, at one point she licked a dead fetus, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, made out with one. Like, <laughs> That, that was that was the deleted scene from this, is her just like dry humping dead fetuses. And the only takeaway you can have from this is that Abby is truly, truly, truly a villain who must be stopped. Like <laughs> Then she's at home. She's with Doug. They're not touching. They're sitting on bed together. The kid's in between them. Like, yeah, no. He's playing with the kid. Bun- I think oh, Doug's no, in no. a bundling board. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Even though they're married. Doug Doug is on the other side of in a, like a hazmat suit. <laughs> like just, it's very E.T. at this point. So Doug is like, are you sure you're not pregnant? Which is a totally normal thing to say For to For the record, wife. total non sequitur. They're, they are actually like sitting in bed reading together and Doug turns to her and goes, are you sure you're not pregnant? Apropos of fucking nothing. Normal thing for a husband to say, I might add. Very normal husband behavior. And she's like, no, I'm on the pill. And he goes, okay. Sorry I brought it up. I think this is really important, yeah. actually. Doug is, first of all, magic. Because Doug is pro-life. Doug is in tune. And this movie hates women so much that men know more about their bodies than than women do. Especially than a liberal career woman who wants to control her own body. He understands her more than she understands her. He is more in tune with her cycles, with her pregnancy, than she ever could be. 
Yeah, because she says, don't you think I know I work with pregnant women all day? Right, but no, she, uh, she but commits Of abortions. course, this movie is positing that that's why she mm-hmm. doesn't know. Exactly. Because she has fallen away from her feminine mystique. Like, she Ugh. is not fulfilling her proper role. And so Doug, as the person who has just been negging her, is now <laughs> the man that is in tune with her body and is able to delineate these things before she does. Doug marries her on the very premise that he will be able to gaslight her into changing the thing that she is about. Like, that is the whole concept is, well, she's going to give it up because I'm going to keep subtly destroying her (laughs) self-regard over however many years it takes until she becomes the person that I want her to be. Like, Doug is poison, but he is portrayed as magic. Yep. And so I think there's an important detail here. They explicitly say, I'm on the pill. I think she says it twice, but at least once she insists, I can't get pregnant. I'm on the pill. This is actually a really important thing. Mm -hmm. The pro-life movement doesn't just want you to not have abortions. It doesn't want you to be on birth control. The pro-life movement hates fucking everything about women. And part of their lie, they say some, the pill is just abortion. They say, and it's also Catholic. They hate all contraception. They started to buy more into the lie that like any contraception is contrary to God's will. And so, and it's not even that reliable. So of course you get pregnant on the pill. Exactly. So she says multiple times, like maybe the pill will work this time. Mm -hmm. uh, They're just trying. It's another thing. They have to get as many smuggle as many lies as they can it's into the It's not text. enough to paint abortion as literally a fire hose of like yeah. blood and guts. But they don't even want to stop it. Yeah. Uh, but they, they also have to come at contraception, which is... It tells you everything you need to know. Exactly. And it, I agree that it's a it's an incredibly important scene yep. for understanding this movie. They can't in, even stop themselves like from being sexist. In 30 seconds, they manage to say like... This man understands this woman and her body more than she does. Yep. And also contraception is just another form of abortion. It's it's also the closest the film gets to subtle. So It's so insidious. Uh, she tells her boss and her boss, Sexy Vader, stares at her, glowers at her, complains, and then basically tells her to just abort it. Well, she <laughs> like, takes a pregnancy test. That's right. The boss finds her in the bathroom, looks over doing her makeup because, you know, makeup evil. Uh, (laughs) And she's like, you know, we can take care of that for you. And then when she decides to keep it, that's when the boss gets mad and is like, you know, this is going to affect your work. Which is like, the boss just goes full Bloomberg. Like (laughs) just getting furious at a a lady for getting pregnant. Uh, I'm still on the boss's side, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Then we get to another just insufferably fucking long scene. A father brings in his high school age daughter for an abortion. And the father specifically knows Abby. Yes. He, he comes and he's like, thanks so much, Abby. I really and appreciate Abby knows you being both here. of them. Yeah. This is an insane sequence. Oh, yeah. Because she's assuring the father that yeah. everything's going to be fine. This is cool. a really simple procedure. It's not going to take long. We stick with this young girl. She is back in the ward with the zombies. And she is just like bleeding down her legs. It's yeah. really disgusting. Abby finds her abandoned yeah. in this hallway Nobody with just tons of blood gushing out yeah. of her. And apparently no one cares. Yeah. Yeah. She's just been sitting there for some undetermined amount of time. Yeah. Very normal uh, Planned Parenthood behavior. And then... They bring her in. Yeah, Abby freaks out. They get her back in the yep. procedure room. There's Because there's never been a normal abortion. Every yeah, abortion this is This is movie, the most incompetent abortion clinic of all <laughs> fucking time. Like, yeah. And that's all they do, apparently. All they do is abortion, and they're bad at it. No, all they do is try to murder women poorly. <laughs> like, that's it. There's no actual Everybody aborting that's happening. that's Doug's job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. Doug, at one point, does, like... 
excitedly talk about hitting a woman. <laughs> okay, so Abby happens to save this girl's yeah. life because she wanders by. They throw her on a gurney. They shove her into a room. Yeah. Abby's freaking out. The abortion doctor runs back in. The abortion oh, doctor shoves her. Literally shoves her into a wall. Like, that happens. Like she hits medical equipment. <laughs> and then he's like pulling more chunks out oh, of her. Yeah. Her blood pressure is bad. They're like, she needs a blood transfusion. Blood's everywhere. And they specifically bring up Oh, we only have plasma here. Yeah. Because that's a whole, oh, they're not a real doctor. It's not a hospital. Absurd. This is one Absurd. of the consistent yep. legal things that we see over and over again is, is laws that are designed to put more and more strictures related to hospitals on abortion clinics that are absurd and unnecessary. Yeah. So this is trying to make the case of like, no, 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 they need to be able to do blood transfusions. And then Abby says, I'm calling an ambulance. And then Sexy Vader throws her against the wall for the second fucking time. She whirls around on her. We never do that. There'll be a record of that. They'll see it. The abortion doctor says, yeah, explain it to her. There are pro-life protesters outside. Mm -hmm. 911 calls are recorded. We handle this in-house. And and what it's saying is this lady, if she dies, that's a better solution than like her getting the medical care that she needs. Of all the comically evil things that are said about yep. abortion and Planned Parenthood in this movie, this is maybe the most vile. It's the so idea pernicious. that an organization dedicated to assisting women mm-hmm. with their medical needs so many in, in a system that is absolutely designed to do the opposite, that the thing that they care the most about is, you know, potentially letting a woman die. I mean, at one point, he's just sharpening a dagger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he, and, and licking like, it? Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's really, really absurd. So now it's been two hours later. The dad's in the waiting room. He's freaking out. He's like... I, I don't understand. This was supposed to be a short procedure. I You know, Abby, you have to tell me what's going on. And Abby makes the decision to lie to him. Yep. So again, Abby being the most purely villainous human being. By the being. text of the film, she's the <laughs> one that is lying to a father about the state of her his daughter's life. And she's like, oh, no, there was just a different complication. And mm-hmm. we haven't been able to get to her yet. She'll be out in a little bit. This is this woman's propaganda movie. And she can't help she but is, telling on herself. And then the father's thanking her because he yep. doesn't know about any of mm-hmm. this. And she's feeling incredibly like a certain sense of guilt because she's lied to him. She knows that this girl's life was in danger. Smash cut to baby shower. One of my favorite things is her voiceover comes in. Yes. So her uh, co-workers. Always. Yeah. Well, yeah. Her co-workers throw her a baby shower, which is a really sweet thing. Yeah. It actually speaks well of these like nice working women. It's really lovely that after a long, hard day of work that they would come together and celebrate yep. this woman. And she fucking complains about them, being like, we had just performed abortions, and now they're throwing me a party. abortions. How dare they? Yeah. She's not even good to her own fucking co-workers. And then she comes outside, and she sees Mary Louise, and whatever the fuck her name is, <laughs> her stalker. And guess what? They're pregnant at the exact same time. I, I swear to God, I need oh the deleted gosh. scene of her screaming at Sean to like inseminate her. Like just being so angry that like, she's not while pregnant staring, yet. By the way, and she's not looking at Sean. She's holding a picture of up of Abby's pregnant In front of Sean's body. face. Just and being... and uh, the way that she knows to do this at this time is because she was rooting around in the trash to, and found Abby's pregnancy test. Like, and like sniffed it and just knew. Yeah. And Mary Magdalene goes and she says... We're going to be pregnant at the exact same time. Is there any greater blessing than a new baby? These mm-hmm. people are freaks. And even in their own fucking movie, they can't be normal. <laughs> it's their movie. You'd think they'd <laughs> they, get this right. It they, does 
It has the feeling of like aliens trying to infiltrate humanity, but just not really getting it. (laughs) And so it's just like, why does Mary Louise Parker II have three ears? Like, no, it 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 is a lot of like skin suit behavior. So she has her own baby. Hurrah! Hooray! She has finally completed her one and only task as woman. (laughs) Uh, And then immediately. Her mom starts negging her Dude, for having a career. Hardcore. Like, she has had a baby. She is cleaning up the afterbirth. And her mom <laughs> yeah. is immediately like, I can't believe you're going back to work covered in afterbirth. Yeah. You dumb yeah. bitch. She mentioned like, specifically says that. They name check the eight weeks of maternity leave. Oh, that it's she so gets. Good. She's like, Oh, you don't think that baby needs you? I just I thought this would all be over when you had your child. The way Which all women's careers is are. some evangelical magical thinking. And then the mom has a crisis of conscience where she's home with her husband. It's yep. like the one scene we get of the two of them alone. And the dad is just like, I have to believe that one day she'll leave. And the mom turns to her crying or turns to her husband crying <laughs> and goes, she won't. She's got aspirations. (laughs) (laughs) Which for Christians is the absolute worst thing any woman could ever have. The only thing worse than an abortion is an aspiration, according to the text of this film. And now she's the director. Yes. And there's a scene where the Coalition for Life is recording. Mm -hmm. And she gets word that they're recording the clinic. And obviously she's upset about that. So she runs outside to talk to Sean and Sean's like, hey, we have to do this to prove we're not doing anything illegal. This is important for our safety. We've been accused of crimes. Yeah, no one's ever done any crimes at and around an abortion (laughs) clinic. That's never been a concern. And then he gives a speech. So she says, hey, this is about progress. This is about, this is like segregation and slavery and the Holocaust. There have always been people fighting for human rights. We have to, we're fighting for human rights. And then he says. He flips it on her. He says. Hey, that's what we're doing. The truth is, you've just cited three examples of injustice. Slavery, the Holocaust, and segregation. That can only occur when a whole segment of the population gets discriminated against. And that's exactly what we're doing to the unborn. Uh, And her response is actually to turn on the sprinklers and force them to move a little further away. Which is something Sexy Vader did in one of the opening Mm -hmm. scenes. So now she has become a little more like Sexy Vader. This is her forced lightning moment. She's enacting a little bit of hate (laughs) into the world. Uh, It's the only time you like her in the entire movie. By the way... They specifically go back to Sean to give him a chance to be a good sport about it. Because everyone's like yeah. soaked in water mm-hmm. and they have to run away. And he's like, well, you got to give it to her. She got us to turn off the camera. That dude definitely has a purity ring. Oh, a, a purity cock ring. Now she's the director. She is the captain now. <laughs> and she and her voiceover starts saying, we were supposed to sell abortions. Yeah, she specifically says like, you know those guys that sell timeshares to places you never heard about? They had nothing can on I, me. Can I get you into an abortion today? She I know. does the hard sell about like, if you get your abortion today, we can credit the cost of the ultrasound get to the Get 20% procedure. of your baby off. <laughs> Like a lady's like, do you take credit cards? And she's like, absolutely. And like snatches it like a sassy, like. <laughs> like a sassy bitch. <laughs> she is. Like, she is boss bitch. And this movie hates that. And her. then we have a scene with youth group late, youth group guy and Mary Magdalene being like, this place has to close. We have to believe it will one day. They're like holding each other. Mm-hmm. Like they honestly have more sexual chemistry that like as, oh, as yeah. aliens, as literally other mm-hmm. species. I believe them more as a couple than like Abby and Doug. I've seen, I've met that couple. Yeah. I haven't met Abby and Doug, but I have met youth group guy Mary Magdalene. Absolutely. 
So then she decides to look up her own medical files. So she sees the ultrasound and breaks down, which is amazing because I thought the come to Jesus moment was Ninja Baby from beginning. Yeah. This movie can't ever have her actually be pro-choice, even when she's the fucking director of a Planned Parenthood clinic because this movie is so pro-life, it can't even have its protagonist ever really believe the thing she says is her own fucking identity. Then we get to a hurricane abortion montage. I think what's so interesting about this sequence, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but it's interesting because it has no connection to the overall plot. It's important because it shows the abortion clinic doing something good. What? Like they band together. It is. It's a it's a bizarre tone because it's after so she weird. breaks down, then they have kind of a girl power montage it with like is, upbeat music. Like, look at us banding together to perform all these abortions before Hurricane Ike. Why is the song so chipper? You've been portraying abortion as it's evil the, this it's entire a time. Sequence. It's a pro you can't with interpret, a worship song. You can't interpret the sequence as anything. But like, look at these people who banded together to help these women who needed abortions. There's no other interpretation of the scene, and then it just moves on. It's very. Very odd. It's very strange that it happens. I think in their head, it doesn't work, <laughs> but in their head, it sets up that this is a moment where she's feeling good and she feels like she's done a really good job. And then she goes home to her kid yep. and her kid's like, mommy, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, why? And she's like, you have blood on your shoes. And you look down and there's a sprinkle of blood on her shoes. And she lies to her child and says like, oh, mommy got a nosebleed. And the kid's like, okay, and wanders off. And then Doug, just <laughs> fucking looking at her, Doug. just Kubrick stare of fury. <laughs> and Doug just looks at her and goes, you proud of yourself? And she stands up and takes off her shoes and goes, nobody ever said abortion was pretty. And it's, marches up the stairs. Let's jump ahead. She wins an award yeah Michael, so what she gets she to go to houston to the to the big, big city bright lights houston yeah. <laughs> come to the rodeo stay isn't for the it, barbecue houston texas uh isn't it actually like a really big city yeah, that no like one ever talks about <laughs> like, it's like that's super diverse uh, that's so funny houston uh, texas <laughs> come for the refinery stay for the great indian food we're keeping all of that uh, so she gets named Employee of the Year, and it's it's like it's a one real. two. Yeah. So she got Employee of the Year, mm -hmm. and then Sexy Vader reveals the new plan. And that's oh, this is her. one of my favorite things. It's so good. It's an actual Death Star. Yeah. She pulls, she pulls away the cloth, and they reveal a new fancy building where they can do a million abortions a day or something. Yeah, it, and it's up to <laughs> twenty four weeks. Yep. And it is built of like black stone it, and glass. Yeah. One. This is this it is like. It looks like. Actually like the Death Star. It, it is the most brutalist structure that has ever been invented. <laughs> and she says, okay, in order to make this happen, you know, we're yes. spending a lot of money. Yes. We need to double last year's abortion totals. You need to go out there and you need to pump up your numbers. And Those that, are rookie numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Abby then stands up and protests. And she yes. goes, on page three of our directive, it says that we are a women's health provider and we are trying to offer all of these services so that we don't have to do that many abortions. So how can you be telling us that we need to go out and double our abortion numbers? And then we cut to the two of them out back after the meeting. Yep, in a hallway. And Sexy Vader is is just, you know, <laughs> throttling Abby. Just no, like, she's force choking her yeah, at this you point. You can't actually see Abby. There's too much movement in the frame. <laughs> and she gives this analogy about hamburgers. And she goes, fast food joints, they don't make money on hamburgers. They're just trying to break even on hamburgers. They make money on fries and soda. And Abby, Abby understandably. the dumbest woman alive. <laughs> yeah, doesn't understand. Abby very simple has metaphor. never 
never heard a parable in her life, <laughs> even though she's been in church well, yeah, well, for approximately 60 years. No, she just years. started going to church not that long ago, so it makes sense. And Abby goes, I don't get it. And she goes, abortion is our fries and soda. <laughs> awesome, delicious, easy, quick. <laughs> yeah, and painless. Um, <laughs> only a problem if you indulge too much. <laughs> well done. Uh, and she goes, as clinic director, we are paying you to be a perfect instrument of corporate policy. We are an abortion provider. Incredible. And Abby says, But are we a nonprofit? Yeah, aren't we a nonprofit? Nonprofit is a tax status, not a business model. Right. And then she gets into her limousine made of dead babies yeah, yeah, yeah. and spirits away. Yeah, yeah. The TIE fighter shooting out fetuses <laughs> at the Millennium Falcon. Uh, so then, Doug. Abby. Finally, we've caught back up to the fucking opening of God the goddamn movie. Uh, speaking of Ken Burns and this being a documentary, <laughs> we, we must be on like episode seven or eight by now. Like just Jesus Christ, this movie feels so <laughs> long. The movie becomes alien because this is what an alien thinks a date yeah. is. This, uh, is. this is like no date I've ever been on with any person. Thank goodness. <laughs> I'm happy for you. I feel like this did mirror a few of my dates in high school and that it took place at an Applebee's and it was totally sexless. <laughs> Walk me through Doug's grand romantic plan. So shall Doug we? takes her out to get Mexican food. They make a joke about she makes a joke about how she might get lucky. Nope. <laughs> yeah, Nobody yeah. has ever gotten lucky in this movie. Even and even the ones with kids. They never look happened. super bored. Well, he's super excited about the chimichangas. Here the most horrific thing that Abby does in this entire movie <laughs> is for her entree, she orders dessert nachos. Oh, that's right. That's so strange. Isn't th- no, that doesn't. First of all, dessert nachos are bad. Yeah. What the fuck is a dessert nachos? And why, wh- who are you if you're ordering it, like, not as dessert, but as your meal? In Texas, you get diabetes. <laughs> so, but they're sitting there, and all they do is talk about the movie they're going to watch. Yeah, so they're, they're we, we need get to get into the specifics Christian of this movie. Texts. Yeah. They're debating between Gone with the Wind or Goonies. Which is already, she's like, I knew you were going to say Goonies. You always say Goonies. And he's like, it's a cult classic. I'm like, you've never heard those words <laughs> These before. people Google cult classics yeah, before this totally. movie. And then she's like, we can compromise on 300. And he's like, that's why I love you. Yeah. That's the sexiest thing Briefly, you could have said. 300 is the most, like, it's, of course Christians love it. It's just fascist. It makes total sense that a propaganda picture would name check another propaganda picture. But it's also just, like, it's so boring. a really Obvious gross, steak. sexist, like, cool girl yep. energy. Mm-hmm. Like, she's sexy and cool because she wants to watch the most, like, hyper-masculine beefcake bullshit movie of all time. Like, a movie that is made only to appeal to 16-year-old boys. Uh, And that's the movie that these people in their 30s decide to watch as the compromise choice between two actually good movies. Gone with the Wind and Goonies, both of those way more watchable than 300. Oh, totally. I want to do a segment about Christians in media. Yeah. But Christians are the worst about movies. Well, here's the thing. Okay, I agree with that. But I actually think this is different. 300 is not part of the Mel Gibson pantheon of acceptable (laughs) Christian movies. Like 300 is edgy. It's too violent. It's too sexual. This is them specifically name checking something like them drinking in this movie Mm -hmm. that is supposed to make them feel human and cool and that they're not those hyper Christian people. Mm. Like this is this is their appeal to normalcy. This this is is, uh, 300. This is Gen X Braveheart. This is Gen X Braveheart. For that, we jump to something completely fucking different. So she has just won employee of the fucking year, and then she is summoned to corporate. Yeah, so she has to go down to Houston. Again. Back 
Bright Lights Big City, yeah. Houston. <laughs> <laughs> and she is receiving a formal reprimand. Mm-hmm. So she's in the room with the HR rep and Sexy Vader. She is in the world's dimmest room. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is... I have never been in a room during daytime that dim, including one without windows. The, the like... She is in a black site in Iraq. I'm 90%. Subte- the subplot of this movie is, like, brownouts. What I love is apparently Planned Parenthood has enough money to afford Louboutins, but not lights. Yeah, exactly. So they're in this room, and she's like, I just got Employee of the Year. What are you talking about? And she's like, you have been combative and disrespectful. And I, when you got married, I said nothing. And when you got pregnant, I said very little. And like, even though I knew it would affect your job. Uh, and it's just, it's very odd. And it, it's just muddles. It muddles its own text. Well, I think, I think what because... it's trying to say is the sexy Vader is comically evil. Right. But that's how it's set up. But... Like a lot of these things that maybe don't feel organic to a film, they have their basis in, you know, trying to cover up the realities. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's it's a movie based on lies. That's that's what this is about. So, okay, so then we have a scene. Yes. Where we have a gentleman just rolling out barrels of dead babies. Oh, I forget. This is like running concurrent. Yes. At the uh, same time, there's a just blue collar gentleman who's like, carrying out barrels just, just like big 50 oil, gallon like barrels. oil barrels yes, full, oil of drums baby guts. full of like, dead babies yeah and the pro-life people are reaching out to him watching always watching just constantly <laughs> standing outside like children of the corn are style. some of them touching themselves no because they don't have genitals yeah <laughs> yeah and they and they're just super upset and they're like hey man will you bring that barrel over to us very normal yeah so we can pray over it. And then he like puts his hand over it. Does like some Reiki fucking healing over the barrel of dead babies yeah, for so like a minute. He prays a really intense prayer over the barrel of dead babies while Abby is now back in current time yes. experiencing the horrific abortion that kicked off the film. Yes. Uh, so we're seeing both of these things cut, but now it's just him praying I think it's for the souls of the unborn. Very strongly implied that his Reiki healing over dead baby juice is what helps Abby have her road to Damascus moment. Yeah, it is. It is his whole vibe in that mm-hmm. scene is very Obi Wan. Like this is yes. the actual like like Jedi mind tricks moment, but he's Jedi mind tricking these like aborted fetuses into heaven. Like it's really really <laughs> weird the way he's just like his hands kind of like shaking a mm-hmm. little bit, like you know, mm-hmm. there's power moving through it. Um, <laughs> And Abby is freaking out. The um, uh, the scales of dead fetuses fell off her eyes. Yeah, the dead fetuses fell off her eyes. <laughs> Do we maybe have too many dead fetus jokes in this episode? I don't think we have I don't enough. think so. Yeah, we have too few. So we're a half hour out. We're yeah. finally bringing this home. We're, we're trying to. God help Only us. Only a few more hours of this podcast. Yeah, you'll, you'll be, be there. Free. You'll be back with your family. It'll be okay. No, your family's gone. They <laughs> left you halfway through we're this. We're your family now. <laughs> So, so Abby what, goes. So Abby just disappears. Where does she show up, Michael? The Coalition for Life. Man. Where else would she go? Where else could she go? She's in Sean's arms. She goes to Sean, and <laughs> Sean and Lisa Marie immediately know. They um, they they they're not surprised to no. see her. Yeah, well, because they've been machinating this. They've been plotting with no, Doug the whole time. This is your like, joke, but it's hereditary. The yeah, entire thing the is whole about a town. town about a town colluding to drive a woman insane. <laughs> and so she's crying. She's like, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. And they start promising it. They're like, We can help you. We we can help you get a job. We can help mm-hmm. you get out. Um, and, and she's, she's like, like, You would do that for me? For me? And he's like, Of course, we're here to help. That's what we do. We help women. 
And then amazing. That I mean that's always their argument. In direct contrast, he's like, "But you have to be careful." Yeah. Because you are going against this powerful organization, and if you leave, they're going to come after you. So we need to like walk you out the back door, and you don't tell anyone what you're doing, mm-hmm. and like you need to just watch yourself because Planned Parenthood is watching, as opposed to them, the people that have literally been standing outside the <laughs> no, gate watching I mean, this entire D- movie. Dog again. This is your is like spider crawling yeah. up the walls, like hereditary. Yeah, that's hereditary. He's, he's, he's like always, he's always in the upper he's ceiling like corner, looming over her. Uh, because Doug's entire goal, I, I am convinced of this. Doug is a plant of the Coalition for Life people from the beginning when he yeah. started dating her. The oh, only thing that makes us, the, the only reason cell. he loves her is he's the sleeper cell inside oh, all along. Dude, it's the only thing it. that makes sense. You, and that's proven, one, amazing, incredible. <laughs> Two, that is proven even more because she goes home and she goes, you'll never guess where I was today. And Doug is like the Coalition for Life, Sean's office. Yeah, Sean's office. And she goes, how could you possibly know that? And it's like, well, because they were texting the whole time. <laughs> because like, he's always been. I expect him to like pull off a mask a la Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. And it's just oh, Sean underneath there. That's so good. It's yeah. the only way. It's the only that, way. That, it, it is an incredible pull to say that the only way this man could love her if the whole point was to be a sleeper agent. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, so then she quits. Mm-hmm. I think this scene is actually important. It's really boring. Yeah, it's so boring. She tells one person that she quit. One yeah. employee. One, one person at the clinic. Yes. And then she takes a plant and walks out the, and, and faxes in her... Resignation they, letter. They, they like show her like signing it and then and placing I, it and in I the fax think, machine. And, and then... this this is important for a reason. Mm-hmm. And then she leaves. Yeah. And then all I, we're gonna get back to that scene in a minute. Oh wait, as she's leaving, Sean, who is still at the gate. Oh my gosh. Like she rolls down her window and he goes, "How'd it feel?" And she goes, "Like getting out of prison." I I watched Shoah, and this movie. Treat, treat the camps yeah. with more subtlety and nuance. And this movie treats fucking Planned Parenthood. It is so bizarre. And then she calls her parents and mm-hmm. they start crying. And they're like, <laughs> we've been praying for this moment for so long. And then she goes home and has her like crisis of the soul That's like, right. up at night. She's crying, by the way. Like Doug wakes up in, to an mm-hmm. empty bed. He goes downstairs. Like Doug hasn't woken up to many empty beds in his life. <laughs> And he goes downstairs and she is crying next to her child's tea set. Oh, that's so... Like sitting on the floor. It is the most that thing. And she's just sobbing. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know what I I have been complicit in so many murders. And he's like, you did what you thought was right. Which is hilarious because as we've established, she's been pro-life this whole fucking movie. She never (laughs) believed in this. She has been absolutely a complicit monster this entire time. So now... We go into the final phase of the film because she has another little voiceover. She's like, I ugly cried for two days. And on three days, I showed back up at the Coalition of Life ready to help. And she sits down and they have a strategy. I think this is what really fascinating. Yeah. Because essentially, they tell her that praying is also magic. It's the dirty little (laughs) secret Planned Parenthood doesn't want you to know about. But if there are people praying outside the clinic, our like call out rates of people who never show up go up by like 50 to 75%. Yeah, no. So in other words, if someone praying outside the fences stops abortions. Yeah. So they're literally saying like, this is what you should do because it works. I fucking hate these people. Dirty Briefly, I want to say, I 
fucking hate these pro-life yeah. organizations. They think praying is a fucking Harry Potter spell, like excrucio fetus. Like it's just, I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> I, can of tell, I, say, I can tell you this, did not read Harry Potter. This moment broke me. <laughs> I tell you what, God has never listened to one of your prayers and never fucking will. Oh, he listens and th- that's what pissed him off. This is, <laughs> we're going to get another flood. He's going he's gonna to say, you know what? Fuck the rainbow. I'm flooding this bitch. I'm sick of it. Like, maybe, oh, maybe, maybe climate change isn't caused by humans. Maybe God's just sick of <laughs> pro-life people. <laughs> He's I, like, I'm going to flood Houston. <laughs> and now we entered the like walls of Jericho falling down segment of this <laughs> film because she decides that she needs to go back to that gate. Abby becomes Mary Magdalene. The abortion director becomes She flesh. walks up. All of a sudden, her hair's blonde. Nobody even knows how it happened. Uh, She's kind of wearing the same look. Yeah. Well, of course she is. And so she shows back up at the fence. And now she's talking to someone. And she's saying, hey, I used to be the director of this clinic. She goes, they're doing an ultrasound. And they won't show it to you. And she's like, well, why would they do it then? Because the size of the fetus's head determines what they're going to charge you. Not which is just how any of this works. Um, all Absurd. of that. First of all, you can always see an ultrasound. That's they don't they in don't some, they don't do for knowledge to charge states, for abortions. By the way, legally require it because they're trying to like exactly get bully a woman bully women enough. not to have abortions. It's one of those obnoxious things. She says they only offer abortions, not solutions. After this movie, I'm gonna have a brief thing talking about what Planned Parenthood really does. Yeah, absolutely. So then, sexy Vader shows up, vamps all the way down the catwalk to her. And she's like, you proud of yourself? <laughs> and then Sexy Vader claims that Planned Parenthood is one of the most powerful organizations on the planet. Incredible. She name checks their donors, Soros, Gates, Buffett. Uh, she should have just said Friends of Epstein. Yeah. And that would have been like made more sense. So good. You've made a man enemy of one of the most powerful organizations <laughs> on the planet. Has this lady never heard of like... Dude, Coca-Cola has infinitely more power. Like, what? Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood does a lot of good. This is a pro-Planned Parenthood podcast. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, But, but like... Yeah, the, like, the the QAnon level of name-checking Soros. So funny. uh, The the claim that this, like, constantly under-attack organization is somehow among the most powerful in the world. Like, it's just so patently absurd. And then Planned Parenthood sues Abby. How dare they? How dare they? And everyone's Under. scared because... They've got the fancy lawyers. They've got all the big lawyers. They're bringing out the DC I, I think it's implied they've got the fancy Jews. Yeah. yeah I think I'd that be, they they might... They don't say that literally, but it's in the it, text. It's there. It's there. Uh, tell me a little bit about the Coalition for Life and their response to being sued. So the Coalition for Life is like, hey, you're getting sued. And so she's like, we need a lawyer. He's like, well, I think I got one. Yeah. She And then... We meet the guy from the billboards. He's he's the billboard lawyer guy. Yeah. He, this is he, this he's, is he's a uh, blue light special. He's slipping Jimmy. He's from breaking. He's basically from Breaking Bad. He's this better is, call Saul Goodman. He is like slick fancy lawyer. And he, then we he, meet him. He's the Buick lawyer instead of the Lincoln lawyer. We come into his office and we we meet Jeff. Jeff is literally sitting back on his desk, throwing a baseball into a glove, yep. monologuing. The down home country lawyer. This is the pander to I know. class. Like this is the like the little guy's gonna take him on and win. And he has this whole spiel mm-hmm. where he's like, okay, one, you need to tell me everything. You need, did you take anything out of their their the building? And she's like, I took the vacuum cleaner that I brought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, Did, is there anything you're not telling me? And she's like, I looked at my medical records. And he's like, okay. And they're like, okay, what are we going to do? What's what's our defense? And he's like, you're innocent. 
And they both, like, Sean and Abby, like, do a little, like, meet cute look at each other and go, we're screwed. <laughs> and he's like, I'm serious. You're innocent. And then he goes, there are two words that are very powerful when you put them together in a courtroom. Do you know what they are? And Abby doesn't know English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Abby just says goo goo Abby, gaga. Abby is playing with one of those shapes puzzles from when you're a toddler. And failing. Just trying and to failing. shove the square into the triangle and very upset that it's not working. Uh, what are the words, Alex? Prove it. Prove it. I will say I wish I could say it the way Jeff does. I love Jeff. I love Jeff. I'm the, this is now my confession. You've been talking about Channing Tatum and everyone else. This whole podcast. I love Jeff. Jeff is incredible. I want to be Jeff's baseball glove. Uh, so anyways, they get in the courtroom. So they get to the courtroom. Uh, Planned Parenthood is like 10 lawyers. They're like wheeling in evidence. And Jeff is like, I got it. Yeah. And then they don't even do a courtroom scene. It's I the weirdest thing. Because it's a lack of budget. But of it's course. strange because the whole thing is set up to be a courtroom scene where he wins. And then they just cut ahead. The door closes on the yeah. courtroom. It pans across. They have a, a monologue where, or voiceover where Abby is like, if this had been a movie, yeah, you, we would have this dramatic face-off. But During instead, a movie. Yeah, but instead we just won. Yep, we win. And the mom fakes you out because she comes out crying and yeah. sobbing and sort of puts her head in her hands for a second. And then she rears back and she's laughing. And it's like, oh, we got you. Then Sexy Vader comes out and says some snide shit. And the lawyer brags about winning but the thing i want to highlight here is the lawyer does sexy finger guns oh yeah oh, excuse me the lawyer does finger guns to sexy vader and it is incredible yes it is uh there's a whole like back and forth where sh- the sexy vader's like this isn't over and he's like were you not paying attention in there like did you not <laughs> did you not hear what the judge said and then abby says that would be the end of the story but there's one more thing that happened that's right so she's apparently just jobless and fine yeah well the movie doesn't acknowledge any real life what what happens to her in real life she she is just hanging out at apparently the saddest public park in the world with her daughter looking at a water feature made of concrete and she gets a call sean calls sean calls that the best possible thing has happened michael what has happened the branch of planned parenthood in Bryan, texas the one she was the director of Mm -hmm. is closing and then you get the weirdest scene of this incredibly bizarre movie, <laughs> which is them all showing up to watch them pull down the sign and yep. hold a pro-life rally. And they've got a guy in the bulldozer. This is so weird. It's so weird. And one of the construction workers is like, you ready? And he's like, you kidding? I've been waiting to do this for decades. And then they yank down the Planned Parenthood sign that it panned to in the beginning of the film. Everybody cheers rapturously. Yep. They strip off their clothes. They break into an <laughs> impromptu origin to make babies that can no longer be aborted because Planned Parenthood has been t- has been destroyed. Like it is, it is like hardcore R-rated Ewok, like post-Return of the Jedi shit. Um, it is bizarre. And then Abby gives a speech. Oh, Abby gives a speech. Abby has two roses. One for each of her aborted babies. For the record, I thought this was really funny. One rose is white and one rose is red. And I don't know why you would distinguish them that way. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, one's white for a pill. One's red for blood. Obviously. So she gives a speech and then prays to her dead babies. Yeah, so... It literally cuts to her tying the roses to the fence where 80 fucking percent of this movie takes place. if there's one thing fence. I respect about this movie is that they pretty much managed to make it single location. Like, they really did a lot with a the little there. Well, they did a little with a the little there. 
So she gives her speech to her unborn mm-hmm. children. Yes. She ties the roses on the fence. Oh, God. It pans up. Mm-hmm. The movie starts to fade away. And before it goes, it has a little disclaimer that this movie was in no way sponsored by Planned Parenthood. <laughs> Not sponsored or affiliated with. And that is the most hilarious it's thing. So that funny. they somehow felt the need to put that in the movie that is solely exists for the purpose of destroying Planned Parenthood. I, I want to meet the one person who is watching this and being like, man, Planned Parenthood is really being open about their history yeah yeah yeah. it's incredible that they allowed this documentary film crew to follow them around for this long (laughs) but you know what i guess i appreciate the transparency uh so that is unplanned i want to do two things i briefly want to talk about what planned parenthood is in real life yeah we should sort of do that that. and then we're going to talk about the truth of abby johnson who is a real person so briefly planned parenthood is awesome i read their 2018 to 19 report wow which is legally mandated and 96 percent of their business is not abortion yeah. only four percent of the services they, they provide, provide. and do you know some of the services they provide michael Hit contraception Boom. breast exam Boom. cervical cancer screenings pregnancy testing prenatal care yep treatments for stis sex ed vasectomies pap smears i have personally utilized planned parenthood for it's, health services. it's a great it's place an incredible place uh, I have nothing bad to say about it. The that. simple truth of the matter is, if you're against Planned Parenthood, you are incorrect. Even if you disagree with abortion, 96% of what they do is helping women that are usually poor and in underserved communities. Absolutely. They do, be- they do more work to help women in this country than any other organization. This is an incredibly important corrective yes. to systemic abuse of women yes. that exists at a legal level, that at least at a medical level. That- and Planned Parenthood is a bulwark against that trying to care for trying people that damnedest. need care and doing so much more than the oh, thing that you've decided they shouldn't exist for yeah if that's where you're coming down on this then like you are willing to hurt women to get what you want which is ironically the thing that you are so upset about when plan if you get rid of planned parenthood there will be more abortions because planned parenthood provides sex ed and contraception Absolutely. that prevent more abortions than any fucking pro-life organization ever has the most pro-life organization in America, Planned Fucking Parenthood. Yeah. I just want to say, we did not pay to watch Unplanned. We pirated it, yeah, it's which an is important a moral little act. We stole, uh, we stole Planned Parenthood, and we will be donating <laughs> we, the money. No, 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 no. We stole oh, Unplanned. Yeah. We stole Unplanned, and we will be donating the money we would have paid to purchase it to Planned Parenthood. And, if, you know, we encourage you all to do the same. Yeah, donate, volunteer. They're a great organization. So let's talk a little bit about Abby Johnson. Because yeah. the general outline of this story is at least somewhat true. Abby Johnson was the director of Planned mm-hmm. Parenthood in Bryan, Texas. Right. For these dates. She did leave. She did join the Coalition for Life. Uh, that's about it. That's about yeah. the extent of the reality of her life. Abby Johnson actually appears in the movie. She's yep. one of the abortion one of nurses. One of the nurses. Uh, and uh, she is, has eight kids. And she has been gotten, become a sort of very important figurehead for the pro-life movement. She's on Fox News. She has written a book. She was deeply involved in the making of this movie. But it makes no sense. Yeah. The, the film portrays Abby as incoherent at her core, mm-hmm. which begs the question, like, why do they have to try to balance all of these things? So I did some digging Ooh. because 
Usually when something doesn't make sense, it's actually a light Google away. I was going to say, we're anti-research on this podcast, but we, we will accept light Google. I was inspired by Kelsey bringing some actual smarts a few weeks ago, and I yeah, wanted to try I'm it myself. That. <laughs> <laughs> You're off this project. Yeah. Um, Me and Abby Johnson, no readings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Texas Monthly in 2019 and at the time in 2010 have been reporting on Abby Johnson since this happened. And so have Salon and a, bun- and a few other outlets, including Slate. So she leaves the abortion clinic. Yes. She has this come to Jesus moment. However, Salon reported that on September 27th, the day after Johnson to this day, claims she witnessed the ultrasound-guided abortion and had her epiphany. She appeared as a guest on a pog, on a public radio program called Fair and Feminist to discuss her work at the clinic and gives an enthusiastic defense of the clinic and ridicules the 40 Days of Life protesters. So another interesting thing that they cover in the Texas Monthly is that this 13-week-old abortion that she claims to have seen on this specific date didn't occur. No. Uh, as far as they can tell, and they have done a ton of investigation, this yeah. is all public knowledge, there was only one patient from September 26th that was black, and that's what she claimed, according to her, um, according to the induced abortion report form, was in the sixth week of her pregnancy. And it's hard to imagine how Johnson, this is from the article, who has seen hundreds of ultrasound pictures in her career, could mistake a one-quarter-inch-long embryo for a three-inch, 13-week fetus. Yeah, so it, it's just not possible. No. She's never claimed that the date was wrong. She has, however, claimed that the reports that the Texas Monthly was looking at were forged. Yeah, no, she claimed in an article uh, She claimed in an article with the Federalist that the things were forged, and then she submitted her own easily uh, verifiably fake paperwork to the Federalist to double down on her lie as recently as, like, last fucking year. Yeah, so... Clearly something is wrong when she is resubmitting paperwork that they're like, That's this fake. is in no system. Didn't exist. Yeah. Like the paperwork that she submitted wouldn't have existed at the time. Yes, that was it. It was yeah. it was a more modernized so she, paper. So she faked these records. Two of Johnson's former co-workers testified that she told them in the days before she resigned she was about to be fired. Yeah. And they had no incentive to do this. So weird that they don't cover this, but there was a thing that happened where her and her really good friend were trading really oh, that's awful fascinating. emails yep. about their co-workers. Another yep. co-worker found it, sent it up the ladder. Her friend was fired. Yep. She was reprimanded. And that appears to be where all of this started. So weird right. that didn't make it in and the film. And this coworker was fired and testified on behalf of Planned Parenthood. Yeah. She said, yeah, Abby's whole spiel is all bullshit. Yep. She, she didn't have this experience that she claimed to have. There was no moral crisis. She nope. was in money trouble. I cut, yeah. Yeah, that's right. She, she was, was in money trouble, and the Coalition for Life promised her $3,000 speaking engagement fees yep. if she came over. Yeah, because the day, the night she quit, she put on Facebook. Yes. I'm gonna, just going to read this. Yeah, This please. is Abby Johnson's own words, the At day the she quit. All right, here's the deal. I've been doing the work of two full-time people for two years. Then, after I've been working my whole big butt off for them and prioritizing... That company over my family, my friends, and pretty much everything else in my life, they had the nerve to tell me my job performance is slipping. What? That is crazy. Anyone that knows me knows how I committed I was to that job. They obviously do not value me at all, so I'm out and I feel really good about it. Oh, weird. Where was your moral crisis? Where, where was the huh? part where you huh? the scales fell off your eyes? That's she, so strange. She's claimed that there were never threats of violence against the Bryan Clinic. However, she herself received threat letters and at her own home put in security cameras. She later retracted that lie. Interesting. 
So here you have a situation where a lady was in money trouble. Yep. She was in trouble at work. Mm-hmm. She was getting desperate. She yep. probably was overworked. I'll give her that. Oh, of course she um, was. She worked for a nonprofit. The money shot is her friend named Kaminzak testified. Abby called me two weeks before this whole thing broke. And she told me she was thinking about going to the coalition. She'd been having serious money problems. She'd been talking about bankruptcy. And she told me that Sean had promised her $3,000 speaking gigs. There. I, if that's not a smoking gun for this whole fucking picture... I don't know what And this woman had no incentive to tell anybody that. Yeah. Again, this is the lady that got fired by Planned Parenthood. That's right. Saying that Abby is full of shit. And when you know that, when you look at this, the entire picture. So many things just, just come into place. Clicks, clicks into place. Uh, she was accused of removing medical records, which That's is right. why they have the scene of her looking at her own medical records, mm-hmm. but no one else's because <laughs> she was accused of taking like... Uh, different uh things that belong to Planned Parenthood so that's why she has to take things that's right they have to be her things to like cover my mom the... bought me that plant yeah and here's the thing I don't fucking care what she took like that that's, that's, not, not, the, the point. that's not the point the point is that it is deception after deception after deception and it piles up to a person that was pissed off felt aggrieved yep and saw a way out and to get paid it's an extremely clear portrait with the facts in the movie together mm-hmm. of someone who did this for the money who was burned out and just and had no real beliefs. She was she's a liar, and everything that you can verify is a lie. What's so funny is that like you don't even have to know the truth of who Abby Johnson is because the movie <laughs> itself is so clearly full of lies. Like I promise you, there has never in the history of abortions been a single abortion that is as violent, chaotic, <laughs> and ridiculous. Like no, there's is, back alley abortions with hangers that went better than any abortion in fucking unplanned. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, to bring it all home. Yes. This is an assault on women. Yeah. This is an assault on institutions that are trying to help women. And that's, that's right. why, like, while the movie is ridiculous and we had a lot of fun talking shit about Great it. Time. And clowning on people. And I do not encourage people to watch it. No. Especially sober. Uh, but if you do watch <laughs> it, I think there is some fun to be had there. But at the end of the day, this is dangerous. Yeah. Because I talked to I people agree. for this. I reached yep. out to like pro life friends. Mm-hmm. And there were people that were like, yeah, I think this like closely models the experience that my friends who have had abortions had. And that is just so patently false. Nope. Could not possibly be true mm-hmm. based on a bucket of lies. But people believe it and people are moved by it and people vote based on it. And it is just another nail in the like moral majority coffin. That's right. That is going to do its damnedest to keep Donald Trump elected and do even more terrible things happen. You that. know, we started with the lie yep. that Christians should care about abortion. And we ended with another that this is the experience of what Planned Parenthood is. And Abby Johnson basically is a construct who doesn't exist in her current iteration. We started with the lie. We ended with one. Boom. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Uh, We really appreciate it. It's been really fun to hear from a few of you guys. If you have questions, comments, or things that you would like us to discuss, please reach out. uh, Crappychristians at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Tabor. I'm at Zachary underscore Allard. And you can follow the show at at shitty underscore pod. Uh, Normally we do a segment, prayers, uh, praises, prayer requests, and unspokens. I think we both have the same praise today, which is that we are done with this freaking movie. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, guys. See you next week.